Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bare Necessities podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and we're finally back with you guys, and we're looking to increase our consistency with our posting as well. This week's episode, we're going to be going over the Chicago Bears' loss to the Green Bay Packers and looking at Mitch's first start back, if he should continue starting, and just how that kind of went for him. After that, we're going to be getting into reviewing Matt Nagy's job security and the fact that he says he is not afraid of being on the hot seat. Following that, we're going to conclude with our Lions game preview where we look over the possible implications for the game and what could potentially contribute to either a Chicago Bears win or loss. But before we get into the show, we wanted to thank you guys for sticking with us. We are finally able to bring back our full consistency now after. I know everything kind of went downhill after I ended up catching COVID, but now everything's caught up. We're all good. Everything's completely good, and we're going to be moving full steam ahead. So thank you guys so much once again, and bear down. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. It's Austin and... And Reese. Reese, yes, there we go. Uh, we're still working on that, but we'll get there maybe in the next 50 episodes. <laughs> we'll see. There you go. Um, but today, yeah, today we have uh, a couple big announcements coming back. Uh, before we get into the show, we're going to be uploading more consistently for episode or for uploads on YouTube a week this week, and then also uh, a podcast and reaction vid up on Podbeam as well. And that's going to be the same going forward. We apologize for any sort of. Um, lack of consistency lately we've had a lot going on with our lives and it's very difficult to kind of maintain that when things start getting tough with school um especially reese's i know you're finishing up your college career but uh, i i am actually uh still in the midst of finals as well um but we're we're, we're moving through it we're moving through it um but i'm actually off now thankfully um, and Reese, I know you're going to be a little bit more busy coming up, but don't worry. We're going to be getting out content consistently. And uh, that was just a little hiccup uh, for the podcast. So we apologize. Yeah, you know, it won't happen, but we're definitely going to come back, uh, you know, better. And we got a new plan for kind of how we're going to go about organizing things and putting out, you know, content that's more appealing for, you know, not only our podcast listeners, but our YouTube audience as well. And we know that there's a little bit, you know, of people that listen to both, but, uh, you know, each is kind of looking for some different content. So we're trying to put out as much content that can really appeal to y'all. All right. And the first very first topic we're going to be getting into is the Chicago Bears getting absolutely destroyed by the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night football. I know for any of our listeners who are probably in high school, um, I'm not sure how many we have, but I'm sure there are some. You got to watch that right before you went back to school on Monday after Thanksgiving break. So um, I apologize to you guys. Uh, but but uh, yeah, that was a terrible loss and uh, not many positive takeaways that you can take from it. Reese, why don't you go ahead and start off? Give us some of your takeaways. Yeah, I mean, I have to say as a Michigan fan, I know about that feeling of coming back from, you know, Thanksgiving break rather disappointed because usually that would be the weekend where they would lose to Ohio State pretty routinely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you get to come back to school and everyone that knows you're a Michigan fan like you would, you know, <laughs> give, me, give me some good stick for it. So definitely I know whatever Packers fans and, you know, Bears fans in school that – that probably wasn't the fun. Well, it was fun for the Packers fans. And that was, was really, that's all who was fun for, you know, watching the game too. I mean, it was very brutal. We saw a lot of the, a lot of the same mistakes, but new ones on the defense because the defense got, 
you know, handled pretty badly in that game. Rodgers took him to task, and uh, the offense just, you know, once again, not not good enough. Uh, you know, maybe they look a little bit more lively with Mitch back there, you know, compared to Nick Foles, who I think that Barstool Big Cat said looks like a corpse <laughs> in the in the pocket, <laughs> which, I mean, he kind of does. He doesn't really move at all. Um but uh, I think that, you know, Mitch moving around made things look a little bit better. But I've seen quite a few decent breakdowns of, you know, some passes that uh, Mitch Trubisky missed on. It's really it's inexcusable for someone, you know, who's had three years of experience and just got benched. You think that, you know, be a little more sound, but uh, not quite. Mm-hmm. Well, the one thing that I want to state on the defense is, yeah, they they looked pretty bad. To be fair, though, um, they are very, uh, very tired. I'm, I'm sure they've been playing way more snaps offensively throughout the entire season than the offense has. Um, I'm not going to blame it all on that. Another thing that I want to mention is that we don't have a single starter on our front three of our defensive line anymore. Eddie Goldman, Roy Robertson, Harris, and Akeem Hicks were out that game. So that's going to do a lot on your pass rush. I mean, with Robert Quinn having the disappointing year that he's been having, you're pretty much leaving it all up to Khalil Mack to create any sort of pressure. And I think that's what we saw on uh, Sunday night. We saw Khalil Mack absolutely dominating every single snap. And even though he wasn't the most you know productive and, and we and we saw that because all the focus was just completely on him he was a little bit handicapped not to mention he was being held on every damn play and the thing that really bothered me as well is it there were a lot a lot a lot of errors on the officiating from the Packers side like Mitch getting face masked twice in in the matter on one play and then fumbling the ball and nothing being called there whereas I think it was Bilal Nichols just barely got Rogers helmet while he was pushing him down and that was a roughing the passer like you you just can't make that up you know it it it's hard because it feels like week after week we've had to really not only battle ourselves because this Bears offense is not good, but also battle really terrible officiating. And I think the league has been experiencing that as a whole. I, I think there's certain teams that sometimes maybe do get a bit of a favorable bias towards them. I, I think the Packers can be that team. And Absolutely. It, and it seems, no, they are that team. Year after year. No, real quick. Year after year, this is the most insane stat you could you could possibly pull from. If you look year after year as to yards benefited from uh from uh like penalty calls the packers are always so far ahead of anybody else and it's insane it's like what the hell is going on there yeah I, you know I, I guess there's probably you could read into that with maybe there are types of play calls if you want to try and make a legitimate excuse i, I do think is the nfl biased likely <laughs> i think <laughs> i mean i think that you know sometimes that can happen in an officiate and i think that you know if there was a team that was really going to benefit from it it might be the packers but i think that well it definitely did play a part in the game and sometimes penalties can have a huge influence on the flow of a game so you really can't understate that and the refs can actually make an impact so I don't want to understate that. I don't want to say that you're wrong, Austin. I just know that, you know, when you watch a, a team lose in that way, 
you know, it's hard to really kind of just blame it on the penalties. I'm not saying that's what you're doing. Oh, it's not. But it's it's, not. Yeah. it's just tough because it just adds on. It's kind of the icing on the cake. Like, everything's going so bad. Mm-hmm. It's hard enough to find offensive rhythm or, you know, for de- the defense to, to get off the field. And when a drive gets extended by a penalty, that really hurts the Bears. And when drives get slowed down, this, this is a Bears team that cannot afford to be second in anything more than, like, eight. Like, this is... They need mm-hmm. to be constantly ahead of the chains. Once they take a penalty, it usually pretty much kills the drive right there. So, you know, certainly the amount of penalties the Bears have picked up this year have been tremendous, and it has hurt them. I mean, it has hurt them all over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that boils down ultimately to coaching. When you're routinely taking penalties, I mean, that just has to be something that needs to be coached out. And another thing is I think maybe this was the first game where Chuck Pagano – uh, I know he has taken a good amount of heat. I think that for the most part, he's been doing a good job this season. But some of his tactical decisions, like, you know, rushing three in the red zone there, you know, it's kind of, it was a little bit questionable. And, you know, given that, mm-hmm. yes, you, like you said, the Bears were missing their three starters now, or what we would anticipate before the season to be the three starters on the defensive line. And you only bring three? Like, obviously, you're going to need the added help. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't quite make sense. And, and yeah, we saw how much this Bears team missed Akeem Hicks. I think that was glaring. I mean, how much of a, a hole that he plugged there. Um, and, and Cleo Mack, I think he was definitely, um, you know, going for it. And, of course, you can never question his effort. It's just uh, at times it's tough when he can get, you know, focused out. And, you know, his impact can be minimized when there's, you know, no one else to kind of take that you know, pressure off of him. And Robert Quinn has been such a disappointment because if anything, he was still out there playing. He should have been the man to do that. And of course, like all season, he hasn't, wasn't there. The funny thing is when you look at the Chicago bears, I mean, it's clear. I don't want to sure the defense deserves some, you know, flack this game. And I don't, I do not think that they are uh, dissolved of any sort of, issue right but the thing that I think is so hilarious is that we saw a couple of our offensive players liking like come to like for instance Allen Robinson was liking stuff about leaving the Bears and Anthony Miller liked uh, come to New England bro from some fan or whatever implying that they're frustrated with the Bears I'm like bro you're the one on offense it's your fault it's you're a big part of the issue you can't just drive, like for Anthony Miller in particular, I'm a big Anthony Miller fan. I was ha- really happy when we drafted him. I liked him in the draft process and everything. I wanted the Bears to draft him. But when you look at what he's done, I mean, he's been dropping balls left and right, especially in key moments. So he's a, he's a good player. And yes, we need to get a quarterback. But at the end of the day, it's like, bro, you're part of the issue. Same with Allen Robinson. You know, he dropped an end zone pass. Sure, Allen Robinson can think he's worth that $20 million contract or whatever he thinks, but we this Bears team should not be giving Allen Robinson $20 million. And that is just the reality of the situation is Allen Robinson is absolutely a replaceable talent, okay? There are plenty of rookies in this league that came in and made a big enough impacts this season as Allen Robinson is making for the Chicago Bears and last season. Okay, there aren't always going to be DK Metcalfs in the draft. But I mean, you look at some of these other guys like Justin Jefferson, who's been uh, insane for the Minnesota Vikings. He was a first round pick. Or you look at um, just like 
AJ Brown, for instance, he was what a there's, third there's round pick. Honestly, round there's pick? so many more receivers in the league with a lot more talent, and and this has been a rough year yeah. for Allen Robinson because he come out made the statements, and he's still been putting up good numbers. But I think what Allen Robinson has done is shown you how unexceptional he is. When the fifty fifty ball is up there, that you don't, you're not very certain mm-hmm. that he's going to get it. You know, when mm-hmm. you need a big play, yeah, I don't really think the ball is going to go to to Allen Robinson. I think the ball is going to go to Mooney. There's nothing really exceptional about Allen Robinson. Mm-hmm. He runs routes really well, has somewhat sure hands, and, and that's his claim to fame. And like you said, A.J. Brown, I would definitely take over. I, I think there's quite a few teams in the league where I could just kind of pour over some of the receivers and go like, ah. He's a second yeah, year. And this guy's got you know a lot more talent, a lot more upside. Yeah, and the, the, the issue with Allen Robinson stems from Bears fans and never seeing us have a receiver. Okay. We we haven't really had many good receivers. In, well, in between, we had, you know, Cam Meredith. His one year was uh, the biggest thing in Chicago Bears history for us is he had a huge year uh, when he was undrafted or whatever. And then before that, Brandon Marshall, who was a stud, right? But outside of that, I mean, we haven't had a whole bunch of good receivers. And I think Allen Robinson is a good receiver. I would say he's probably 10 to 15 range. What I have to say, though, is that if you want to look at an elite receiver, look on the opposite side of the field in last week's game, look at Devontae Adams. Now, Devontae Adams is someone who deserves a $20 million contract because whenever his team needs him, he gets the ball. Okay, whenever the, t- the team needs him, he gets open. Whenever there's a 50-50 ball in the air or a tough catch, he gets the catch. Okay, and sure, you can say, oh, he's playing with Aaron Rodgers. Okay, Al- Allen Robinson is playing with Nick Foles, and it's it's not the, the quarterback that's the issue. It's when he gets the opportunity. At, whenever he doesn't, we're not looking at his overall stat line. Okay, that's not. If we were just saying, oh, Allen Robinson has less yards than Devontae Adams, then then you can bring in the quarterback argument and say, oh, well, Allen Robinson has played with Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, Blake Bortles, whatever, right? But we're not making that argument. We're saying when he gets the opportunities, he doesn't come down with the ball. When the ball is in the air, in the same way that Devontae Adams catches the ball, Allen Robinson sometimes lets up an interception, whereas Devontae Adams gets the ball and he scores. So I don't want to be this huge, like, oh my God, look at Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, look at the teams in our divisions, these receivers. But at the end of the day, are we really going to be paying a receiver who might in a year be the third best receiver in our division alone? I would say fourth, because honestly, I think even Kenny Galladay has more upside. He's someone that actually has more more game-breaking potential. I mean, he goes up there, he makes difficult catches. I I think that he's not a perfect player, but I mean, he's someone, there's arguments that can be made. And Mm. what what did we say at the beginning of the season, that the comparable, that what um, Allen Robinson was asking for was around Keenan Allen's contract. And if you look at what, Mm. so Keenan Allen got paid, and he's been there a lot more for Herbert this year than Robinson has been for any of the quarterbacks. I mean, he's you want to talk about making opportunities. I mean, you, it's just a matter of going up there and getting it and making the play. And I just feel that Allen Robinson hasn't done it. You know, it's a matter of impact. And I think that while he's been mm-hmm. there to pick up receiving yards, he hasn't been there when, like, you know, when they need an impact play, when you need something to turn around. Because sometimes, you know, 
the sometimes things aren't clicking for every offense. Not every offense is like Kansas City where things things seem to go so smoothly all the time. Sometimes it's a good catch, a play that kind of happens against the run of play that is needed for a spark, and Al Robinson hasn't been that. Yeah, and I think it's just at this point, any players who just want to be off the team on offense, get them off the team. It shows up in their play. I mean, the t- the offense has been purely lackadaisical over the past couple of weeks, over the past entire season. We don't need these players. We should actually be looking to get rid of some of these players. I'm fine if Allen Robinson wants to leave this team. If he does, go be it. Find a team. Get paid. That's fine. Go Go have fun. You were a good receiver for us when we needed you. You were a good free agent option. But at the end of the day, I mean, receivers now are a dime a dozen in the NFL. I mean, look at Stefan Diggs got traded for a second round pick. Or was it a first round pick? I don't know. But okay, a first round pick. So if Stefan Diggs was movable... Allen Robinson is absolutely like you're you're able to let him walk. Ideally, we can franchise tag him and trade him. But I mean, we'll see. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, second round pick, second round pick. We can we can get all into how dumb the Bears are for not making that damn trade themselves because we kind of needed a receiver. But well, I mean, that that shows you the issue though, right there. The Bears are definitely not active enough on the market. I mean, that's Arizona going around calling, seeing, looking to make a deal. You mm-hmm. know, they're just trying. They're trying to find something that's going to improve their team. And, and what that shows you, since the Bears didn't make that deal, is that they're not doing that. Or they're not doing it in the right places then. Because Arizona found a hell of a deal. And that's, man, that's still, I mean, arguably the top receiving league, but definitely top three. And they got him for a second round Here, pick. Second round. Here's a big reason, too, is that there is Allen Robinson. And I think that Allen Robinson is one of those guys where he's just on the border of being a strong number one receiver that your team is going to have to pay him like a strong number one receiver. And then they're not going to explore other options to add value to the team because they don't want to impede on that wide receiver room, which is kind of notably um, a very cocky position. I'm not not saying that Allen Robinson is a cocky player, but... The position is definitely one with a lot of ego compared to other positions. And def- I mean, that's kind of how it has to be. I mean, you kind of have to have that edge and cornerbacks have to like match it too. That's mm-hmm. why corners when they're, you know, when the ball floats 10 yards over the receiver's head, they're still making the incomplete, you know, gesture because <laughs> that's just how they are. That's All how them. they're geared. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's fine. Good for them. But uh, yeah, Alan Robinson, he certainly... Uh, it seems like it's more than inevitable that he either a gets franchise tagged, which, you know, we'll see how that turns out for us or B he gets traded. So I th- I think that the best option would be to fr- franchise and trade him. If we could, I think we can get at least like a third round pick for him probably, but we'll, we'll go ahead and we're going to have to see how that goes. Um, let's go ahead and move on. Talking about Mitch's first start back. You know, this was something that we talked about on the podcast as something that seems inevitable and something that seems like it should, it should have even been if Nick Foles was healthy. You see, the offensive line for the Chicago Bears was so poor, and it still is so poor, that without any sort of mobility from that quarterback position, the team was going to struggle, okay? And that's just... 
the reality of the situation. No, even though I still believe that Nick Foles is a better thrower of the football than Mitchell Trubisky, it seems inevitable that because of how bad the offensive line is, he, he was going to be taken down really, really quickly. Ultimately, I think that it just it made the most sense even if Mitchell Trubisky isn't the best thrower of the ball in that quarterback room, he is going to be more productive for us because he's just able to buy more time. He's able to create more on his feet. And because of that, you kind of have to, teams can't just blitz him 24 seven. They need to respect his running game at least a little bit. And also the, the nature of the game should, isn't just get him out of the pocket and we'll be good. It's if we get him out of the pocket, we still need to maintain containment of him or else he can run 10 yards like he did multiple times in this previous game. Yeah, I think that, you know, Trubisky just kind of adds more layers and he's a better fit for what the offense can do right now, which isn't much. But I think that having Nick Foles back there, you know, he wasn't really finding his rhythm. And since he wasn't in rhythm, wasn't getting the ball out of his hand quickly. Uh, he was just getting sacked. He was taking too many lost yards. It was it just wasn't a fit for, you know, the quality of the offensive line at the time. At least Mitch gives you that option to run out. And maybe we still didn't even see that used enough. I think we definitely saw the RPO used a few times in that game. But, man, you feel like with Mitch at, at the helm, that should be used more than often. It should definitely be the focal point of the offense because keeping the threat of having Mitch's legs uh, being able to burn you for 10-plus yards is, is probably the best threat of this Bears offense right now because I don't think, you know, other than after Montgomery broke off that big run that anyone thought the running game was going to mm-hmm. do anything decent. Um, and, and the the passing game has been, you know, the same short yards. They're not really too explosive. And, and unfortunately, Mitch wasn't able to help on that front. I think I was disappointed to see him, you know, miss a couple – deep passes but that's nothing new I mean we've seen that from him for his whole career here with the Bears and I think he gave us a very Mitch-like performance the two picks were were bad I mean where was he going with either of those balls at the same time though I mean it was better just to see I guess some kind of life from the offense I mean they were actually able to move the ball but then it got to the point where it's okay yeah they can move the ball to the red zone but we're back to our old problem from last season which is we get to the red zone but don't know what the hell to do with the ball Honestly, I think that Mitch's performance in this previous game was proof that if he started a couple of the past four games, we probably would have won some of them. And that's crazy to say because he had two god-awful interceptions, like terrible interceptions, right? Ones that shouldn't, like, you're just, you look at it and you're like, why are you an NFL quarterback with with those types of throws? But at the end of the day, I mean, I thought the passing offense was way more explosive and way more effective than it has been under Nick Foles ever, ever, you know? And the Packers are, we talked about zone defense and how zone defense messes with Mitchell Trubisky's head. They play zone defense. They play a lot of zone coverage in their backfield. And Mitch was handling it. You know, he he threw up a couple interceptions. But with Mitch, it's like, at least we're going to move the ball. 
at least we're going to get a couple first downs and we're going to be able to pick up a couple third downs and at least his feet are going to give us a little bit more excitement with Nick Foles it was just like okay yep this is what's going to happen they're going to blitz him and he's going to either throw the ball away dump it to the check down which will be immediately wrapped up or we're just going to get sacked Okay, that that was the Nick Foles equation on every almost every single passing snap. And, you know, Nick Foles definitely looked better with the deep ball than Mitchell Trubisky did. But at the end of the day, I think that Mitch is just a so much better fit right now for this offense than Nick Foles. It, it's hard to wrap it up in any other direction. Yeah, and, and definitely. I think that Nick Foles, what we saw from him, his only real good moment was coming in in that Falcons game and saving the day. I mean, realistically, he really mm-hmm. didn't do that great in any other game. He did what somewhat okay in the Tampa Bay game. I mean, okay, you know, maybe that'd be the one game that Nick Foles would have won that maybe Mitch wouldn't have, but that even that's still debatable. But yeah, I, I think that mm-hmm. right now Mitch adds that dynamic that, you know, even for someone like Montgomery where the running game is going pretty poorly, at least having the threat of Mitch maybe even possibly opens it up for Montgomery a little bit. You know, it, it helps cover yeah. up a, some of the mistakes, just adding that other little wrinkle to the offense. And and even though Mitch is playing far from perfect, I mean, I was actually kind of glad he played. I mean, not so. It's kind of tough to say, but I'm glad that he, you know, didn't play that great because I didn't want to hear like, oh, you know, we need to be sticking with Mitch for next season because, mm-hmm. I mean, the solution is going out there and getting and drafting a new quarterback. I mean, that's what needs to happen. I don't want anything to change that, you know, from being the mentality of this team. And and luckily, I don't. I don't think that we're gonna see that, but we'll we'll see how you know. Mitch can perform moving forward. I really do hope that he's a starting quarterback. I don't want to see them, you know, flip flop again. I think I've definitely seen enough of, you know, like I said with Trubisky, I think I've seen enough of what I want to see from, from Nick Foles. But, you know, Mm -hmm. once we saw Nick Foles, I think that we quickly realized that, you know, Hey, Mitch has the ability with his legs and that's ultimately the main difference. I mean, that's the sole difference uh, as to why he can make, you know, things work a bit and at least the bears can get a couple of first downs instead of just, you know, the three and outs that we were seeing. Absolutely. So ultimately, yeah, I think we need to stick with Mitch. I think no matter what happens till the end of the season, Mitch just needs to be the starter, which evidently is, what are we now? Five and six. So what we have five more games of the regular season left. Yeah. I mean, five, five and one, two, definitely not going to make the playoffs. Definitely. I mean, how, how I mean, how insane is that? That is disgusting. This team is like that Panthers team that went like, what was it? They went like four or like five. I think they literally went five and zero oh and then didn't win a single game after that. So I uh, hope you guys got all of your excitement out early this season because um, not too much. Even though I do think that we will probably win this week. And if we don't, that's going to be a huge issue, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, one thing that I kind of want to throw in here is we never really talked about this on the podcast, but where, what would you say your top three quarterback options for the Bears are going into this offseason? Like attainable, somewhat attainable. Well, I think like in the draft, you know, I think Kyle Trask is, is who I have my eye on for sure. Um, I think that... Mm-hmm kind of what he does the opposite of what you know the Bears quarterbacks can't really do right now he has the ability to throw receivers open which would 
I think is something great and something <laughs> this Bears team definitely needs to have moving forward. Um, I think Sam Darnold too, you know, I think that he's definitely a possibility to be mm-hmm. brought in from the Jets. I think that, you know, he's an interesting potential fit. You know, he brings in that possible, you know, starter for next year could help, you know, give some pointers to whatever young quarterback they bring in. And, you know, maybe he actually does stick and does something good. I mean, I think that very much like how the bears, you know, limit quarterback potential. I think the jets definitely do that too. Um, Outside of that, I think there's a couple other names that, you know, aside from Kyle Trask in the draft that could very much shake the Bears' way. I mean, I think that we talked a little bit before, you know, that, you know, to ourselves about Kyle Wilson, how much we don't like him. So I really, I'd say that's the one person I really hope the Bears stay away from uh, if they get Zach it. Wilson. If they, it's Zach oh, Wilson. Was it? Why did I say Kyle Wilson? Yeah. No, my bad. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, my bad. Uh, Zach Wilson. I mean, still, it, it, he doesn't even deserve to have his name said right. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Well, we're, we're calling, he looks like a Kyle, so we'll call him a Kyle from <laughs> now on. Uh, no, um, yeah, no, I, w- I would agree with you. I think that for the Bears, even though it is a very unfortunate injury, I think they're going to benefit from the Burrow injury quite a bit. Because this Bengals team is just was awful even when Burrow was on it. And Burrow was having a great rookie year. Now I just I can't imagine they're gonna win too many more games, which is gonna instantly be putting them in the hunt for the second overall pick, which even if they lose that, you know, they're they're likely gonna have uh, the third or fourth. And that's gonna instantly put either both Fields and Lance in potential Bears territory. Or it will just put Lance, which is still gives us a little bit more hope to the type of quarterback options that will be available for us in the draft. So my top guy is going to be a first first off, I think Dak Prescott would be the best option for the Bears. If I'm being honest, I've been very critical of Dak Prescott. I don't think he's a great quarterback like a re- I don't think he's a really really good quarterback but I think he's a guy you can win the Super Bowl with for sure because he is good enough he gives you enough in the passing game he's explosive enough and on top of that he's just a really good guy and someone that I think the Bears organization would really really like to have you know he, you don't have to worry about him um similar to like Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky he's a good he's a great leader and he's one of those guys that is always going to have a level head on his shoulder. Um, he's just some, you know, someone that you can trust your franchise with. Do I think he ends up getting out of Dallas? You know, that's that's a tough, that's the question that we need to figure out. And hopefully he does for the Bears' sake. But uh, I think there's a good chance that he doesn't as well. And then the other thing is if we do get Dak Prescott, we can go in the draft and we'll have almost a full a full year's draft of worth of picks to really add to this offense. I mean, get a new offensive line talent, get a new receiver. If we need one, get a new, you know, what like running back, whatever we can really devote an entire draft's worth of resources to this offense. And then it's hard to make a, uh, there, there is no down year when you add in deck Prescott, we don't need to worry about him developing or taking the time to do that. And, you know, Maybe we limit our ceiling a little bit when we do that, but we also, I mean, all we've been asking for is a quarterback that could win the Super Bowl. And, you know, this defense is getting towards the end of its dominance reign if we're talking about age ranges, right? Um, Dak Prescott could be uh, one of those players that you bring him in and things could instantly click, especially if you pair him with a good head coach. 
I don't think Matt Nagy is a great head coach. And I think that we can, I think that ultimately the quarterback decision needs to be made from whoever comes into this Bears organization as our new coach, if we get a new one. But at the end of the day, I just think that Dak Prescott is a, a more than adequate quarterback to win the Super Bowl with. And that's why I'd be very pleased to have him as the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. After that, uh, it's going to be Trey Lance, which is, you know, probably a little bit unattainable and maybe more of a riskier pick compared to someone like a Kyle Trask. But I think his ceiling is just so much higher than Trask's. But Trask I, is is going to be like my, I would say my third option. Obviously, I'm not going to keep Fields in here just in in case he, he is unattainable for us. I'm, I'm going to limit my expectations. But I do like Trask a lot. I think he's a really good quarterback. And Darnold is another great option as well. Um, I think Trask and Darnold are on about the same level as far as excitement maybe i would switch out darnold for trask i'm i'm not sure yeah i got you i I think that you know i hope there's a new coach and i think that you know whoever's in charge of the new regime you know whoever be a gm and coach i mean yeah they definitely need to be on the same wave wavelength and there's a decision that needs to be made i mean do we go like you say you know do you go the dak route if he's out there and do you look to win now because you're confident in the defense and what you have there and Hey, you know, maybe if we go out there and, you know, get Dak, we can put a a good team together for a couple years and, you know, put up a good run for it. Or do you say, hey, you know, like we tried this roster has been put through and and you go with the more blow up option. I mean, I think that, you know, Mm -hmm. either way, I mean, there's a change that needs to be made at quarterback option or at that quarterback position. And it needs to be made in accordance as to where they think this team is going to be in five years. And and then, you know, decisions need to be made after that. If they think that, you know, they don't have a shot with this team's defense and they should build for the future, then they should act accordingly. And, you know, some big names on that defense need to go. You know, I think that we should probably move on to the next topic now. Matt Nagy, his... He, he said to the media that he is not afraid of his job security, which could be interpreted in a couple different ways. Is he saying he's not personally afraid because he's focused on the season? Or is he saying that he's been given a vote of confidence from the organization? One of which I would respect, the other I'd be pissed off about. Okay. <laughs> if, if he is just focusing on the season. Well, good. That's what good head coaches do. You know, they don't let other things that are outside the realm of where the team needs to be affect what's going on on the field. If the organization has given him a vote of confidence, now we're getting into the, uh, the Jim Boylan type of situation with the Chicago bulls where you're like, okay, this seems like it's more about a relationship type of deal than it is about what the actual prod production on the field has been. We, we, even if we don't replace Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy has to be feeling that his seat is absolutely on fire right now. Okay. Even if he should not be comfortable whatsoever right now. So we're uh, right now, let's recently get your thoughts on it. And then let, let's also discuss a couple of our favorite head coaching options for the Chicago bears. Yeah, I think that Nagy is, uh, I think he has to go. <laughs> um, you know, if he did get a vote of confidence from the Bears organization, I mean, that's bold. And I definitely want to hear some kind of rationale for that because 
I don't know how you could, you know, really support him coming in for another year just with the direction this team has gone over the past two. I mean, if you're using his first year as kind of a, a benchmark, like, hey, he got us to this point. You know, I want to hear more about what you've seen over the past couple of years that leads you to believe that this Bears team can get back to that point. Because it seems like they've moved so far away from where they were in, in 2018. And, you know, his kind of hallmark is, you know, the offense. And, you know, before that, you know, he was brought into Kansas City as a quarterback's coach before he eventually became, you know, one of the offensive coordinators. And, you know, so one of his specialties is also quarterbacks. And you expected him to come in and, you know, kind of be that quarterback offensive guru that, you know, we wouldn't be talking about this. This wouldn't be the problem. You know, if anything, it was going to be on Mm -hmm. the other side of the ball. But, you know, the Bears would finally have a productive offense. And, it's been far from the case. I think that um, it's just there's no real reasoning as to you know what this Bears team has accomplished under him as to why he should stay. I don't think that what he's done can really you know what he's done can't really translate into the success of the defense. So I don't think he can really take too much responsibility for that. And then, so that leaves him with the offense and the overall production of the team. And, you know, overall, this team is on a really bad losing streak. Last year, they sputtered and, you know, finished with a mediocre record. So, if anything, they're moving backwards once again. And, you know, where you're kind of just left wondering, you know, what this Bears team can actually accomplish. They have no identity, nothing. I, it's a really tough team to watch. I, I don't want to see them back, as simple as that. There's a very realistic scenario that this team could currently have two wins. I mean, you think of the Detroit Lions comeback and then the Atlanta Falcons comeback, which were both very improbable comebacks. And I still think that this team, and you know, this team deserves credit for it because it's, I mean, credits are, I mean, comebacks are one of the hardest things to do in the NFL, but I mean, there there's also the fact that um in the in in the Giants game we almost could have lost that game potentially as well so there's a there there's a alternate universe right now where the bears are was it 2 and 9 right now it would it'd be very deservingly like watching them play i mean it would make sense mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it would i mean we are in Jets company when we're talking about this offense. And and that is something that is very pathetic. And I, we've talked about it extensively. This is a, this offense, even though it looks a lot fancier than John Fox's did, it's, put, it's putting up the same numbers. In it's, some cases worse, probably, honestly. I'm sure yeah, there's probably some yeah. metrics where they're performing even poor, which is inexcusable for how much better the actual talent pool is as far as the personnel. And so we're we're talking about Matt Nagy versus versus some pretty pretty terrible offensive coordinators that John Fox had, like um, geez, I'm trying to remember his name. I think it's a suppressed memory at this point. Who was the offensive coordinator right before Matt Nagy came? What was his name? Oh, man, Dow Loggins. Dow Loggins, <laughs> yes. God, then hearing that name's like sticking a knife in my ear. It's that you was know, pretty it's brutal terrible. times for this offense. I mean, you want to talk about some pretty rudimentary offensive strategy. That was, that was. Oh it. yeah, oh and yeah. And of course, before that, I mean, we had the the man, the myth, the legend, the actual current coach of the New York Jets, Adam Gase. 
<laughs> yeah, Adam Gase. And he looked like an offensive mastermind at that time, <laughs> you know? But I think I think for sure that that's what's given me a little bit more faith in Sam Darnold, not his three touchdown to eight interception season he's currently having. Um, but at the at the end of the day, you know, we 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 just we have to be realistic with ourselves. And while Nat, Matt Nagy is very well media trained, he seems like a good leader. He seems like a really good guy. I just don't know if he is this offensive mastermind that people claim he is. And, and back when we, you know we had a reaction pod that unfortunately the files got corrupted on this last game as well. We want to say. Um, People want to say, oh, maybe, you know, it's just, it's the personnel, it's this, this, and that. People want to make excuses for him. Go ahead and find me, okay? A, a good offensive head coach who has had the 31st worst offense in the NFL at any point in his career. Please go find it for me because I don't think it exists. Now, I want, uh, on a second point, find me one who has had not only the 31st worst offense in scoring, but also the 29th worst offensive offense and scoring in consecutive years okay find me that because i don't think that exists either and if someone you know on on this youtube video or, or to a podcast or whatever if someone finds me that respect man but it doesn't exist okay i don't think it exists i haven't done the research but i do not think it exists okay i don't think you'll find andy reed <laughs> having the 31st and 29th worst offense in the NFL. I mean, look at Joe Brady. Look at what Joe, and we, we can talk about that right now, uh, future candidates, but Joe Brady, first year as an offensive coordinator, being the head guy, you know, he's he wasn't Matt Nagy under Andy Reid. He was, he, he he's the head guy of that Panthers offense. They are doing so much more with so much less on that Panthers team than the Chicago Bears. You know, they we have way better receivers than them, way better running backs since Christian McCaffrey hasn't been in. And we also have, um, you know, a, probably about equal offensive lines. And our quarterbacks, I mean, is Teddy Bridgewater that much better than Nick Foles? W could have been if the offensive line was done right or if the play calling was different. I don't think he's that much better, you know? So... At the end of the day, he's just doing so much more with so much less. And that is very, very concerning. And Joe Brady is one of my top candidates for this head coaching job. I know it's a little bit early in his career. He's really, really young. But, I mean, Sean McVay was able to handle that load when when he came, when he stepped in. He's probably, I think he's Joe Brady's about the same age as when Sean McVay took over the Rams. Yeah, and I think kind of like a lot of the younger coaches in the league have kind of proven that age doesn't really matter. I think for the most part, a lot of the young coaches have performed very well um and i'd say you know as far as the future coaching candidates i think one that immediately jumps out if ryan pace does end up remaining as the gm would be pete carmichael from from new orleans who's their offensive coordinator mm -hmm. i think you know of course he has those obvious saints ties but also look at what the offense has been able to do with an aging drew Brees, who's still playing you know very well but probably not the same level as he was the you know peak of his career they're still getting great performances out of him and then while he's been gone I mean they've done fine with Taysom Hill there too I mean obviously they played a, a Broncos team that was playing without a quarterback so it was a little a little hopeless but mm -hmm. at the same time I mean they still went out there won did well hung up 30 points on a Vic Fangio coordinated defense and 
Mm-hmm. And that's way better than anything the Bears could do. Honestly, if the Bears were in that situation, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but I even fear this week when they play the Lions and they're going up against, you know, an interim head coach. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. it doesn't matter, you know, exactly what the situation was. I think that someone like Pete Carmichael, you know, Joe Brady, I think either of those are great options. You know, it definitely has to be someone offensively minded again who's going to be this, uh, you know, future head coach you know as much as it'd be nice to bring in you know a great defensive mastermind that could you know get the most out of this defense I think really the reality is is that you know fans and this team in general has been needing a competent offense for quite some time now and you know the time is now to go out there and actually make that happen make it come to fruition so yeah it definitely Mm -hmm. has to be an offensive coordinator I think Joe Brady I think you know he's been your guy and I'm definitely I think that he's more than capable. I'd like to see what he could could do with this Bears team. Like you said, he's doing you know a great job in Carolina with. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback. You know they have a couple players, but no one you know crazy outstanding. And you know they've been doing great. So, I mean, not great, but they've been doing pretty well on that side of the ball. Well, we're talking about a team that was considered one of the worst teams in the NFL just going into this off season. You know. Like we're we're talking about a team that had very little outlook outside of Christian McCaffrey on offense, and he's he's been in all, almost all regards a top fifteen offense, which is pretty pretty insane. And one that I mean just looked sharp, it looked mistake less, like there was no mistakes going on. It just it seemed like they were just uh, I mean when watching his offense comparing it to Matt Nagy's when we were playing the Panthers, it was just like night and day. And they were getting, they were going against a Bears defense that was insane, you know? So at the end of the day, I think that Joe Brady is a great option. Another, uh, the, the, my, my, my one concern with Pete Carmichael is after the Matt Nagy experiment, I'm a little bit concerned about going with a guy who has yet to have a an running offense on his own, you know, not have that upper you know, that, that well-known offensive head coach that's able to kind of lead it along. That's, that's my one concern. Another, another name that I'd like to bring up, um, is the offensive coordinator for the, uh, the, what is it? The bills, Brian Dable, who has done just so, so, so much with Josh Allen, uh, a player that I was not a big fan of coming out of the draft and Josh Allen looks way more sharp than what he did coming out of college. He's definitely developed. This is not a player that was very sharp coming out of the draft. He's someone that had a high ceiling and, you know, Brian Dable was able to help really develop that ceiling for him and really control that offense on his own. They're a really good offense right now. So I like that. And then the one, the, the couple names that the, the one thing that I'm really afraid that the Chicago bears might do, which I just hope they don't is I don't want a college head coach. Okay. I don't want, I, I know people were, uh, it, the Northwestern head coach. I can't remember his name right now, uh, but Fitzpatrick, he, right? He, or, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he was, he was saying that he, uh, he would be willing to, he'd want to coach the Bears. It'd be the only coach, it's be the only NFL team that he'd go and coach for. My, my, my question to that is, um, who asked? But, <laughs> but the, um, but, but in, all, in all seriousness, it's, it's really just like, 
I even though I do think he is a good head coach, and I think he's done well with that Northwestern program. I mean, coming from Chicago, I, I'm, I've always supported Northwestern in one way or another. He's definitely done a lot better job than previous regimes there, and he he's a good head coach, but or, or, for college. But I I don't want I don't want him to coach the Bears. I really don't. The other one that I hate it every single time people bring up his name is Jim Harbaugh. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, Jim Harbaugh. I don't know what anybody else needs more to know that he is not that great of a head coach. Okay. With Michigan, he's definitely helped them out, but he's never really reached that, that upper tier, no matter how much talent Michigan, no much, no matter how much talent Michigan has had, which has been a lot in recent years. I mean, with guys like Rashawn Gary and, and Chase Winovich, like all these big names that were coming out of Michigan, I mean, five-star recruits out of high school. And, you know, they, they'd rank up there, but it seemed like whenever they get to the Ohio State game, no matter who the head coach of Ohio State was, they just never surpassed it, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I think he might end up losing his job at Michigan, too, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, I think he, he's on his way out, honestly. and. Quick correction, it's Pat Fitzgerald, not Fitzpatrick. That's Pat Fitzgerald. So <laughs> Pat, got, Pat Fitzgerald, kind of there we go. Kind of mixed it up a bit there. But, yeah, I don't think a college coach is really the, the direction they want to go. And Jim Harbaugh, with, with how bad he struggled with the offense at Michigan, I'm not going to lie, you, you really don't want to have him struggle with an offense yeah. in the NFL. I mean, he's really always kind of struggled to find what he wants to do in the passing game. He's cycled through a lot of offensive coordinators. I think he's a decent coach, but he's not what the Bears need right now. The Bears definitely just need a good offensive mind and someone competent to call plays on the defensive side of the ball. That's definitely the relationship that they need right now. They can't really mess around with it anymore. And yeah, I think while Pat Fitzgerald would be the the kind of like the feel good, you know, also not saying that, you know, he wouldn't deserve it. He's done a great job at Northwestern, which, you know, he usually doesn't bring in he doesn't have the opportunity to access that much great, you know, ranked talent. You know, these players are good, mm-hmm. but they're not, you know, the same players that like Alabama and Ohio State are targeting. Clemson. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, you know, he's done well with them. It's just at the same time, it's, you know, what exactly about him would you like to see in the NFL? I don't think that he's really, <laughs> you know, quite there. I think he's a good coach, though. But, yeah, it's... uh It'd be tough. I'd be interested, intrigued, but also would need some convincing if the Bears went with either a defensive-minded coach or a college coach. I'd need to hear some rationale. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that also his style of coaching is much better fit for college than it is in the NFL. He's kind of a you know hard ass, and you know for kids, young kids, that's kind of good. That can be beneficial for especially players that are learning how to be professionals you know, having that tough and that, you know, disciplined head coach can be really beneficial. But when you get to the NFL, these guys, they don't tend to like that. They don't want <laughs> to hear, they wanna hear like, that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's how Matt Patricia was looked at as well. And look at him. That was a, that was terrible. Players hated him. And that, that is something that Jim Harbaugh also has faced in the past as well as players not liking him. And that's about the last thing that you'd want out of a head coach. The one head coach that I would be intrigued by but I don't think it would happen is Lincoln Riley Um, because I think that there's been plenty of teams that have asked him to become head coach but I think that he just kind of turns them down because he's happy with his current position Um, and you know there's a lot of college head coaches that are because you get a certain level of consistency and stability at that college level when you're a head coach that you just don't get in the NFL you know why if you're 
It's like when Nate, you can Nick get almost Saban equal pay NFL, too, you know? if not more. You... Yeah. Oh no, definitely. Yeah, the pay is is, is fantastic in in college football. Uh, it's it is about even in it from my understanding. Um, so, you know that that at the end of the day, that's just. I think it is what it is. Um, I do think we end up making that change, and I do not think that Matt Nagy should feel comfortable whatsoever with his job security. So why don't we go ahead and get into this Lions game. Man, this is usually the time in which I, I mock the Lions for how bad they're doing in the season, and I, I, tell the, I say that we're going to destroy them, but uh, ugh, this year, I don't... I don't even know how exact this is gonna this is gonna go. Who even is their interim head coach? I haven't even paid attention. I'm not sure if they've been named yet. Honestly, I, I really let's see. I'll, I have not heard anything. You can look right. it up, and I'll kind of talk about it. Even no matter who it is, this is gonna be an intriguing. This could be an ugly game. <laughs> Daryl Bevel. Oh my God, okay. that's their offensive coordinator. Okay, yeah, I think we'll still win this game. Yeah, uh, Daryl Bevel. I, I think he's a terrible offensive coordinator. I think it'll be interesting. I mean. I, you just you can't bet on the Bears right now. You really cannot bet on them for anything. They're such an unreliable team. Uh, you know, history would have you believe that the Bears are going to beat the Lions, uh, especially if Mitchell Trubisky is playing quarterback. You know, that's usually something that's good. I'm not. I'm sure they're going to be playing somewhat similar defense. I mean, there's no way they're really going to change their defensive scheme that much in the course of a week. So I'm sure that Trubisky will still get those man-to-man matchups. Maybe he won't. If he doesn't, maybe this is a different game. But, uh, yeah, hard to believe that the the Lions would beat them. The only thing I would say is that Matt Stafford is a veteran quarterback, so kind of having this situation isn't going to impact him like it would like a young quarterback. So there's still a chance mm-hmm. that he could come out there and play a decent game, I'd say. But what we saw on Thanksgiving from him watching that game – I wasn't impressed. He's kind of in a pretty bad spot for his career right now. I, I'm usually someone that would support Matt Stafford, but right now he's definitely not playing at the top of his game. So if that continues to be the case, I think the Bears could win this game. But it, by no means is it going to be any indication that they're improving at all. Um, or And they could definitely still very much lose this game. It could be a really low-scoring, ugly game. Uh, my expectations are not high. My question, oh, wow, this is actually really bad. I didn't realize this, but if the Bears drop this game, they are going to be t- essentially the, – the Lions have one more loss than them, but they're going to be pretty – oh, no, they would be tied for worse than the division with the Lions. Yeah, because they're 4-7 and seven right now, right? I, yeah, I, I did not realize it was that close. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> this is a dis- this could be a potential disaster game. Oh yeah. Oh my God! Oh my God! Okay. Well, anyways, that that would be absolutely that'd be absolutely brutal if that happened. But I I don't think we end up losing this game. I think that we do end up winning this game and breaking our five game losing streak. But at the end of the day, if we do lose it, you know. I'd, I'd be a lot more confident that we're going to get a great pick in this next draft. And, you know, that's the positive takeaway, you know. Um, but, ugh, man, it, it is – this is going to be a bad one. It's, it's hard because normally I can say confidently that we won't lose, but we might lose this one. That would be pretty bad. It's, it's going to be a tough watch, you know. It's going to be one that, you know, we're, we're entitled and have to watch because, you know, we do this podcast and – 
you know, we're Bears fans. But, you know, honestly, if you had the choice to <laughs> to watch it or not, you know, if there's a different game you could put on, I'd say, man, if you're not extremely committed to this Bears team right now, go for it. Because this is a one for real Bears fans that are ready to strap in for potentially like 13 to 6 game. And I, that could definitely be what the final score could be um, if mm-hmm. it does get that ugly. And who's uh who where did they play the first game at? Was that a away game for the Bears? That was in Detroit. Okay. Yeah, so this is in Chicago. I'm not sure what the thankfully. weather is like, but if the weather isn't conducive to football either, this could be awful. I'll have to look at that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would enjoy if this was a snowy game, you know. If this was a game that's just filled with snow, I think that would really make this a little a more lot lighthearted, more you know, a little bit more of just yeah, a winter yeah. wonderland kind of vibe instead of, you know, this yeah. Bears team sucks. <laughs> Like that, that game, the, what was it? The Bills played the, they called it like the snowball or whatever. That was like super, super, super snowy. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. It looks like it's yeah. going to be in the high thirties and partially sunny. Oh. So maybe, maybe that could, chilly. maybe that could switch around. Yeah. Maybe that could switch around. Hopefully meteorologists, uh, not the most reputable sources <laughs> I, I can say. Um, once again, no meteors, uh, thankfully. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it, at the at the uh, at the end of the day, yeah, we could definitely uh, end up dropping this one, which would be really bad. But I could also see a scenario where we really beat the brakes off this Lions team, and it gives a lot a lot of fans a false hope of confidence. Because then we go from being worst in the division to second in the division at six and six. Or I, I guess we could be tied for second in the division if the Vikings win, but yeah, it could be. Uh, it could. I could really see this game going either way. I, you know, I'm a. I'm a predict the tie. <laughs> I'm saying this is going to be a tie. That could very well happen. I mean, you hear to hear first, everyone. I mean, anything could happen in this game. Basically, anything's on the table. So <laughs> here we go. I mean, yeah. I mean, at least at least we're not the nfc east right now you know at least the bear at least we're not as bad as any of those teams because the giants are currently winning the division at four and seven <laughs> and there's there's what is it five games left remarkable there oh my god that is terrible that i mean this is this is honestly going to be so entertaining and so laughable. There could be a 6-10 winner of the division, and that's what I actually think will happen. Yeah. I think the winner of this division will be 6-10. That is so unbelievable, I mean, man, that that can actually happen. And watch uh, the Giants get like 6-10 and 10 and then just absolutely beat the brakes off of every single team until they get to the Super Bowl, and then it just shows us how good this NFC East team, this <laughs> NFC East division is. They just beat up on each other, you know? Um, as the, uh, what is it, like the Chris Collinsworths of the world would probably say. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think that we've uh, basically ran out of things to say for, for this Bears team at the moment. I think that, yeah, you know, it's enough depressing talk. Hopefully you all can go on with your weeks and can be pretty happy up until Sunday. And, you know, on Sunday, I can't really <laughs> promise you how you're going to feel. It could be a very large range of emotions. But other than that, you know, bear down. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll catch you guys on Sunday uh, on the Reaction Pod on YouTube. Uh, That's going to be coming off probably a couple hours right after the game. Um, So don't look forward to it, um, but also uh, don't have your expectations too high. That's going to be positive, even if we win. 
Um, and you bet you you can bet on it being pretty negative if we lose because once you lose to the Lions, there's no coming back from that. <laughs> no, there's no return. All right, guys, thank you so much and bear down.